0: Hey everyone, welcome to the next episode of E-commerce Insights. I'm your host, Scott DeGrossier, founder and CEO of Wicked Reports. Today I have with me a longtime power user in the worlds of marketing attribution, pay-per-click, scaling brands big, longtime Wicked Confederate that I'm happy to invite on the show here, Anthony Acetero. How you doing, Anthony? Good,
1: good. How you doing?
0: I'm doing great. You know, when I was thinking about how to like intro you, you do a lot of stuff for brands, and I was like, you know, if I'm trying to rattle off all the stuff, I'm going to botch it. So, why don't you real quickly let everyone know about your business?
1: Yeah. So, I own Lunch Titans, we're a full service agency, which means we uh, can basically deploy an offer end to end. So, we do. All the development, all the major platforms, uh, all the marketing work, creative, email automation, SMS, all the major ad channels. So we've got about 40 people now, and all they do is focusing on uh, focus on ROES and ROI-based marketing. So we're big on the philosophy that if you hire us and you're going to pay us X thousand per month, we probably should be bringing back a lot more than that if we're going to keep <laughs> this relationship. So... That's kind of how we start the relationship with our customers. We've done over a billion dollars online. We've managed over 200 million in PPC spend, done tens of millions in email and SMS, all the other channels, chat, and so on.
0: That's awesome. How did you first get involved in ad buying?
1: Uh, Oh, that's a long story. So I've been doing this for 16 years. I left high school to uh, basically go and work in a large company. We were doing real estate sales, half a billion dollars in sales on that project. Very quickly, I took over as a chief marketing officer. And then a few years later, I uh, started an agency and then I started my online brand. And then I became in partnering some brands. And then I took my team and I made Lunch Titans uh, probably about four years ago now. So very, very long story, but I've been doing this for a long time. I personally learned Facebook and Google and ad buying and marketing, email, SMS, all the platforms. So it takes me a long time to explain that, but long story short, I've been doing it for a long time. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, I like that because it's very democratic in PPC. Like if, if you're yeah. willing to learn and test And and learn and test, and and you're intelligent. You can succeed. That's literally like you. But you still got to put in the work, which you know a lot. A lot of people don't want to do that, or they say they will, but they don't. Yeah, exactly. Now, what's your um, what's the typical type of clients that you
1: work with? Uh, We're looking for pretty much any brand that's doing over. Probably fifty to a hundred thousand a month online brands, well funded. We may work with them, but generally we go to established brands. We're really, really good at taking an established brand that might be just getting into being mid and making them really large. We've got a few examples we'll run through in the call of how we did that and so on, and how Wicked played a part of that. If you're selling anything online, you have an e-commerce store, you're doing massive lead generation, you're pretty much a good fit for us. So
0: now. Across t- in 2020, you said you know you managed a couple hundred million in, in your day in pay-per-click. What's yeah. kind of like the spread of uh, you know, Google versus Facebook and then like PIN or Bing Even or Snap? Where are you where's the spend
1: generally getting allocated? It really depends on the client. Some clients do really well with Facebook, some clients do really well with Google, some clients do really well with YouTube, the like Pinterest and all those other side networks will have like breakout stories, where sometimes we'll have somebody that have like a massive Snapchat or TikTok campaign. But generally, we're going to start people on Facebook or Google, probably both. And then we're going to work them into the other platforms as we see success and start to figure out what works for their brand best.
0: Yeah, that's, I mean, you got to be adaptable, not like force your playbook on (laughs) the reality of the market. Exactly. With with iOS 14.5 and the sky's going to fall... Or mm-hmm. no, or people put their heads in the sand. It's not going to affect anything. What's the early impact you've seen on
1: the spend you've managed? It's not consistent. We've had some clients that came through it, you know. We've had some minor reporting discrepancies. Uh, I, I guess all across the board, we've seen decreases in conversion tracking. Right, Through Facebook now they're using like statistical modeling to try to guess how many conversions are happening from these devices that don't opt in to personalized marketing, which I think only 4% of people on Apple are opting into. Oh uh, my God. Yeah, yeah. we seen a study the other day where they, they took numbers and it was like 4% of people are saying yes to the pop-up. So there's obviously a big chunk of data missing. We're seeing audiences just today in a call. One of our ad buyers was saying, we just got notified audiences are getting smaller now. They're reflecting that in the audience count. Some clients got hit worse than others. Overall, our solution has been to pull in third-party attribution more than ever. So we used to bring in attribution when a client got to a certain point in terms of revenue, which was generally pretty high. And they had a lot of different ad channels and communicational channels running at once. So we needed to declutter that and figure out what's going on. Now, it's almost like a mandatory requirement that we have some sort of attribution at Project Start, just because we need that second opinion to verify what's going on. Because in some cases, we're seeing up to 60% less conversions on Facebook than we see through Wicked Reports. So it's very important that we have another opinion on should we kill a campaign or not.
0: So that means that those campaigns are really killing it because we're usually more passive. I mean, Facebook doing measurement and for Google's the same way, every ad platform, it's the fox watching the hen house, right? Yep. I'm not going to say, hey, go spend all your money with our competitor. They just won't do that. Yep. They just won't. Where sometimes we, we, we'll just call, call the data where it is. You know, we don't have a dog in the fight of, oh, you better have spend it here. We just want to know that we can prove it makes you money or not so you can decide what you're going to do. So Uh, it's interesting premise.
1: Yeah, exactly. So before this update, Wicked would generally come in less than Facebook because take Facebook, for instance, they're only looking at, am I the last stop? Right. And they don't look at any other uh, platform or communicational channel. They're just saying, Hey, this is the customer and it'll be the last thing we can see before the conversion here, not counting anybody else. Right. So Mm -hmm. say you have a Memorial day sale, like it's coming up this weekend and you blast your list and they're already in retargeting audiences. And then you have all these people buying. Well, email is going to tell you you made those sales in your email platform. And then Facebook is going to say, wow, you had an exceptional weekend. Look at this. You had all (laughs) the sales out of nowhere. It's not true though, right? And a lot of people don't realize it's not true. It's just picking up sales you would have had otherwise. So Wicked used to be lower because it would help us have a different opinion on is that what's happening here now though there's so much data drop off with this ios that in some cases wicked even with decluttering and properly associating all these touch points Mm -hmm. it's still coming out higher than facebook because see i used to always find that we would be
0: consistently lower like you said particularly the first 30 days because we're we're taking a sale, looking back. Facebook's taking a click and looking forward. So yep. first we get a catch up on 30 days. Then there's the overcount where Facebook's stealing Google or emails credit, which I mean, again, yep. all the platforms are doing it to each other, not just Facebook's most common platform. Yeah. Everyone's doing it. And then, um, but then when we would actually show more, it would be on the cold traffic campaigns that took time to convert.
1: Because then
0: that lifetime value stopped rolling and we could overpay overcount not overcount but we'd show a lot higher revenue than facebook but it could take you know 60 90 days and yep, people exactly. are patient they don't they take don't like a lot of time
1: for wicked <laughs> to really start showing you those bigger pictures in terms like your customer acquisition and so on and that data you can't get from facebook right you can't really get it from google analytics because google analytics just doesn't have the same level of first-party data that you guys mm-hmm. do and i think What's most unique about Wicked that I've always liked is you guys go the extra mile, make sure you have full coverage on the click path with data that I haven't seen in, I don't think, any other attribution platform. So that's kudos to you guys because it's, it makes a big difference. Thanks.
0: I'm glad. Yeah. So you mentioned doing a lot of lead gen, and I know you have a lot of, you have some e commerce clients that are pretty selling. Mostly
1: e commerce, yeah, but we have some really big e- uh, lead gen as well.
0: So, um, yeah, when you're doing that, I mean, so how does the, well, I guess so. a new client comes in their e-commerce, you know, they they obviously are very sales focused, but at the same time, those clicks didn't, those last click sales, I mean, they they had to come from somewhere originally. How do you yeah. strategy, what's the strategy? So I come in, I'm selling whatever for, I'm at 5 million bucks a year, Shopify store, Clavio CRM, I'm selling some product for a hundred bucks. What's like, Take me through the process. How do you dissect what ads are going to go where? And how do you take the customer journey into account in the strategies?
1: Yeah, that's a good question. It's, it's a deep question that I don't know if we'll be able to cover fully, it's all right. but it, it really depends on the brand, right? So there's so many different types of brands we work with. Some guys are doing subscriptions for like food boxes. Some guys are doing uh-huh. single products Some people are doing supplements on continuity or single-time supplements or digital products leading into supplements. Ultimately we need to make a decision on are we going to work off LTV with the brand? And if we're going to, you know, what what is our CPA going to be? So now that Facebook has less data, you know, this is a newer strategy going post-IOS. We're really focusing more on CPA costs and LTV and average order value and basically creating a formula to understand that from like a unit economic perspective, if we bring these customers in at X, you know, and we know over the last seven years, you guys have been doing this, this model should work for you guys. Now that doesn't work for every business. Some some businesses don't want to front load cash to do that, but Mm -hmm. like trifecta nutrition is a great example. That's a customer that uh, we deployed with like uh, three years ago. We scaled them, over $25,000 a day per platform in different advertising spends, primarily Facebook, you know, their unit economic base. So, you know, we essentially figured out for them new customer costs, you know, and what their LTV is. And we made those numbers work in a way that we're making enough cash flow up front where we could support the ads and support reinvesting back in them. But we knew over the long term, if we continue to heavily invest in this, this direction, this would help this brand become the leader in their industry. And 12 months later, they went from a little player in the industry, literally to the leader in their industry from eight figures in sales to nine figures in sales. I mean, it, yeah. it was massive, multiple nine figures in sales three years later. But I actually don't even I can't even disclose where they are no right now. But regardless, working off CPA and working off like a unit economic basis, going past just like all right, well, we got to work off a of 10X ROAS today is the way you really can scale these brands.
0: I totally agree. I mean, yeah. so Trifecta, you know, they're subscription supplements, but oh, so any food box be uh, food the same box. way. Food box. Food box, uh, so the subscription were- food box. Yeah. And then oh, you got the supplement companies or anyone with a lot of repeat buyers. If they, mm. it's, it's part of it, it's probably the mindset of the advertisers. They got to be okay with, let's break even or make a little bit because yeah. you then 90 days out, because you'll be able to have so much more volume of first time customers coming in the door, the higher, you know, the more, the less you need to make in the first month, the more you actually make. And then it's like a comp, a, a bunch of compound interest. Each yep. month's buyers that recur, you get like five, six months of people all recurring. Suddenly you start the month, you start the month before you even spend a dollar. You get a lot coming in.
1: Exactly. And,
0: but it's all because you're not like, trying to make some unrealistic ROI from day zero. Well,
1: that's That's a problem we see where people are like, I want a 10X ROES. You know, you can get a 10X potentially in some brands, but you might just be recapitalizing your customer base and not growing your brand, right? So anytime that we work with a brand that is well-established and grown really well, they know their numbers, right? They know their LTV, they know their AOV, they know their CPA. And they're investing in new customer acquisition primarily. They're not as focused on, let's get the highest ROAS possible because they look good in Facebook. And Facebook's not really telling you the truth about that fully is what you have to be aware of. Mm-hmm. The most important thing, especially with this Apple update moving forward, is going to be focusing on that customer acquisition cost specifically, balancing that against your LTV and creating basically models that are scalable for your business even if that means that you are taking a hit in the Facebook interface and that's where wicked can come in handy is because six months down the line, you can really validate these things are actually working.
0: Yeah. I think it's going to be a huge edge is better data is going to buy better customers. Yeah. Because if you have the LTV and then you also know what works top of the funnel, which Facebook doesn't even report off. Yep. Then you're knowing where to buy. That's not looking profitable in Facebook, no matter who's doing it. If it's them, uh, let's just to, let's just pretend on trifecta. Let's just say it's people that like CrossFit, which I mean is probably a safe example. If safe as, let's just say the CrossFit people. Well, the CrossFit people take three weeks to close, so they're never going to look good in Facebook. They're just going to look good on that retarget bottom of the funnel. And everyone else that's going after CrossFit is going to see the same thing. Man, CrossFit, they don't buy very fast. And it's just that your data is not telling you that. And then also it's just focusing on that purchase real time. Well, six months out when they've recurred five times in a row, because they're a loyal audience. I mean, I'm guessing it's an example, but then you're like, well, that's just a huge edge because no one's going to be bidding on them. Or when they, buy, they do bid on them, the, the, the financials in Facebook don't look good enough to continue. So data is so, I mean, you still have to have all the stuff you need to write a good hook, good landing page, all the different things you need to optimize the experience for the customer. But the data now is a huge edge, which
1: you guys obviously get that. I think the biggest takeaway is is people need to uh, start moving away from the days where Facebook was like, here's your massive ROAS, you know, we're going to rock it. 10 or five or whatever that is and start focusing more on these business metrics to scale their brand, and really new customer acquisition. If you're going to scale a brand, you need to bring in new customers, right? Like let's say you're doing 700,000 a month. Anybody can put Facebook ads up and have a decent return and retarget your existing customers from all your other channels. And Mm -hmm. you know, it's going to come in and scoop up your emails and scoop up your SMS and scoop up all this stuff you're doing anyway. I think people need to be careful not to bring in ad buyers that aren't really motivated on the bigger picture of growing the brand because you could sit at 700,000 or potentially even start shrinking for months because you're not actually focusing on growing the brand. You're focusing on almost like vanity metrics to a certain certain, I guess, degree.
0: Totally agree. Yeah. If you get, you get a 10 of a postscript texting and you got a solid, like Klaviyo or active campaign email funnels cranking, yep. that's already bringing in a few hundred K a month. And then exactly. you later, Oh, Hey, I'm going to do Facebook retargeting. Don't worry about it. And it's just poaching all the credit in the exactly. platform. And you didn't actually move the needle at all. I'm re-saying yep. what you said. I realize now, but I just wanted to make the point more. I was just like, it's so true. Yeah. Uh, and that's where you, then people start getting upset with their, with their PPC. And it's like, maybe they got to write in that case, <laughs> it yeah. didn't move the needle for the, uh, for the top of the funnel, wh- what's your process for figuring out who you're going to target for the, like, how are you going to expand these audiences or expand their brand with these audiences? How do you just say, Hey, you go in there, you get the blank interface, right? How do you, what's your, I guess, process or template for getting into, here's how we're going to test first. Most likely
1: we think to buy. Yeah. So keep in mind, I'm the CEO, right? I'm not necessarily the ad buyer. I haven't like ran ads in a while. I'm in every call with multiple ad buyers on my team. So I'm well enough aware to talk about the philosophies behind how to do this. There's different models. The one that I like the most is we don't get to do this too often because there's a lot of risk involved with it, but. Open targeting, essentially going in with a very small definition, not a small audience, but a small definition, whether it's men only or woman only or over 40 only, whatever is somewhat relevant to what you're doing and just letting it crank and letting Facebook optimize. Now, there's a few things that have to happen here for that strategy and specific to work. You have to have a well-defined pixel you probably should be running ads already with some success right? at some scale. You need to be willing to spend a few thousand knowing that it might not work and you might lose it. So if you're going to go open, you need to give Facebook a lot of money to get the data for them to be able to work these things out by themselves. And the concept is Facebook has X thousand metrics on every single user. And no matter what website you're going to, they have a like button or somebody has a pixel and they're intercepting information about everybody that's going to all of these websites, what they're buying, what they add to cart. Say I go to the website, like purple mattress, right? That's the reason why when you jump on Facebook, you're going to see 80 mattress companies, right? They're all advertising <laughs> yeah. to you because they're, they're watching the buying behavior of all these people. And they're smart enough to kind of bucket and categorize their advertisers and know kind of how to match them once they have some pixel data. If you go out this with a new ad account, you're, you're get crushed because they don't know who you are yet. But when you start running creatives, they're going to start reading your keywords and categorizing you. And they've got a whole system in their AI to figure this out. So when an account is established enough, it has enough data and it's a big enough brand, we might just say, let's put a $5,000 budget and go after men or women only or a certain age group or something to that effect. And the good thing about it is when it works, which it doesn't always work, sometimes Facebook doesn't do a good job, but when it works, you can scale those campaigns to 10, 20, 30, 40,000 a day without any resistance and with very, very little work in terms of getting it there. But it's a big risk doing it, not something we're always upfront with. Brands is look, there's a potential that we can come in and make this into a massive campaign. There's a potential you might lose five k. <laughs> right? So you comfortable with that. For my own agency, we run Facebook ads and we've done open targeting with success. So I believe in it enough that I do it for my own company, right? The other way, there's a bunch of other ways, but you know, generally it's structure of putting top of the funnel, middle of the funnel, bottom of the funnel campaigns. And essentially we want to have a certain percentage where the budget at the top of the funnel is going to new customer acquisition, in the bottom of the funnel, we usually have some retargeting in there to boost the account OAS overall, capture some of the people we we may or may not have captured anyway. But generally we have our ad buyers have a very, I guess, specific formula that they have when they're going to go in and how they're going to dedicate this budget to making sure that new customers are coming in and financially in the short term, this is working out for the customer as well. I can so tell you, the top of the funnel campaigns, yeah. they generally are going to be the lowest ROAS, and the bottom of the funnel are going to be really high, right? So there's an average there that we have to try to figure out and work with.
0: So what? Um, how much budget generally is top of the funnel ballpark? It, I
1: know it depends still- on what strategy we're taking. So if we're going to do open, you know, it's probably five hundred a day plus per platform, because you can do open. In a sense, with smart campaigns on Google as well, but let's just say Facebook at least 500 a day for an open campaign, but on like a general structured campaign that, you know, our guys are doing a lot more of the traditional ad buying strategies. Typically we'll start with hundred a day, maybe 200. It really depends on the price of the product. So we have some guys that are selling like $4,000 products or $5,000 products. And if we started a hundred a day. It's going to take a long time before we advertise enough spend to even match the cost of the product. But if somebody's selling a $20 product, you spend a hundred bucks. If that campaign is good within a day or two, you should see enough sales to justify that with a well-structured campaign. So our philosophy is we'll go out, and we'll build the funnel, we'll do the design, we'll do the copywriting, we'll do the creative, we usually come up with a concept. We'll test that at 100 day for, I don't know, usually like 14 days. And essentially, at the end of that 14 day period, we're going to have ROES and CPA goals in place that we need to either meet or exceed. And if we don't, that campaign will either be revamped based off the metrics of the path- pass through rates on. Uh, the creative to the page and the page to the checkout and click the rates on the creative. And there's like 20 metrics where guys go through our development team, our attribution team, our copy team, our ad buying team. They all have their own part to play in that process. But essentially there's only three outcomes, right? It it misses horribly and it's turned off early. It gets close and they have to go in and optimize to try to get that past our goal. So we can scale presumably Uh, A lot past our goal because there's going to be diminishing return or it exceeds it. And maybe about 40% of the time when we come into a new client and we deploy a funnel, 40% of the time, it's just going to like blow it out of the park, right? It's just going to work right away like it did with Trifecta. Most of the time, it doesn't happen. Most of the time, it's scenario two. We got to do some things to get it where we want it. Um, but if it just works, we're going to keep scaling that usually on a weekly or sometimes even daily basis. That was really interesting.
0: Let's talk about cross. I know you guys do uh, you know, usually multiple channels as we talked about. Well, I mean, one thing is like how much does email, I don't know if you guys necessarily run the email, but how much does that affect yes. your performance? Or if you run it, then I want to hear about that because it seems like good old email still closes sales. And crappy email hurts the ROAS on the cold traffic because it's not closing people like it
1: should. Yeah. Can you rephrase that question? So, we do the email, we do all the holiday sales, we do all the indoctrinations, the abandoned carts, we do every aspect of email and SMS, all the communicational channels. But can you rephrase the question? For yeah. Me? So, how
0: much, how important is it to have that dialed in because of its impact that it has on closing people and it? Like your, t- your top funnel ads might be fantastic, but then this crappy email and SMS is like not closing as it should, and therefore your ROAS is hurting, even though you've bought good leads. Yeah. How, how do you dissect that? And what, how, you, how do you think about the interplay of what type of ad versus what funnel are you going to put them in from email perspective?
1: I mean there's two things really that are gonna have a big impact outside of like the copywriting on the page and the inner and the design and you know how people move through the funnel and experience the emails and SMS they kind of group together now they're gonna be critical to making sure we get the most out of every customer. So you know, abandoning carts, indoctrinations. Sometimes we'll do things where, you know, inside of like active campaign or Drip, we might have somebody opt in and then we might show them multiple offers and then we'll cycle those offers in email, but also create audiences in the email platform. So they actually see the same offers on Facebook that they're getting emails for, right? So email is very important in the overall scheme of your advertising plan. So we might have a Memorial Day weekend where we have two or three offers we run for a specific brand that are like their headline offers. And we're going to make sure we're showing ads at the same time as those emails by syncing audiences inside of automation platform. I love Uh, that
0: strategy. Yeah, and I always love when people do that. It's just so smart, I think.
1: Yeah, we did it with Frank Kern. We did a big campaign for him a few years ago where I think it was, it was like a coaching program, like IBB, I think was the abbreviation. Intent-based branding, that was it. So we did like an intent-based branding strategy and essentially we would bring them into a BSL and essentially that BSL would you know, try to convert them and then we'd grab their email and then we'd bring them to a checkout page. And then essentially what we would do is inside of Drip was the platform we used at the time for that specific product. We would have a three day automation where right after they opted in, if they didn't buy, they would get an ad that would actually increase the bonus. So instead of getting the coaching program, now they would get a course with it. And then day two, they would get three courses with it. And day three, they would get like 20 or 30 courses with it all for the same price. And it was massive, the amount of revenue we did on the back end as a result to of that offer, not just from email, but also from the Facebook ads. And we did SMS as well, I think, on that specific product. I think the email and the SMS and the communicational aspect is really key to scaling an offer. You might not need it there to validate the offer works, but if you want to scale that and really put serious ad spend behind it, you need to make sure that you can pad for diminishing return, that the more you spend the lower your return is going to be and the harder it is going to, to essentially convert that audience. And the other side of it is your upsell and downsell strategy. So we do a lot of testing to figure out what's a good upsell, what's a bad upsell. We've seen upsells perform up to 30, maybe 40% on cold audiences through Facebook campaigns. So when you think about that, if 30% of your, your audience is taking an offer, after they put their credit card in and make the purchase and they're adding another $50 or a hundred dollars makes a big difference when you're trying to scale.
0: makes a huge difference. I mean, the text is you, I see usually ballparks like 15%. Yeah. 15% of sales are going to 10 to 15% are going to be through text. Yeah. But they came from somewhere else, right? They came from somewhere, they close on text. So that's um, just a ballpark. Everyone's different.
1: We've sold for, uh, for, For upsells, we've seen up to 30% take rates, but for SMS, we see brands now doing up to 30% of their revenue as well through SMSs. So there's a 30% take rate, not 30% of their revenue on the upsells and downsells of transaction. But with SMS promos and blasts and stuff like that, we've seen brands that do it really well. I guess we do it really well, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, Where we're doing up to 30% of their revenue from SMS traffic on top of email and all the other stuff. Yeah.
0: It's, it's critical for e-com. Critical. This is fascinating. What do you got? What's next for launch Titans? What are you guys up to for the rest of the year? Besides moving. Uh, besides
1: what? <laughs> besides moving. Oh yeah. I know. <laughs> Florida. We've been doubling in size every year, which is good growth rate, I think. So there's a lot of things we've been looking at potentially, you know, investing in some brands that want to work with us and trying to go to some more like skin in the game type models, stuff like that. I just continue to see us growing and blowing away other agencies. So, <laughs> 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 So that's my goal. That's awesome. Well, yeah. thanks
0: for, ha- thanks for having taken the time to come on and, um, you know, yeah. people can find you is at, uh, Anthony at launch Is that the best
1: place to find you? Yeah. Yep. You can shoot me an email or you go to our website. There's uh calendar things in there. If you want to talk.
0: Fantastic. All right. Hey, thanks for your time. Have a, have a yeah. good weekend. You Take too. It easy. Bye.